Hello. If you didn't realise what you just hit play on, this is The Immigrant Fiancé, and my name is Dan Gooding. I'm taking you through the K-1 visa process, and this time, we've reached a point in the journey where at least part of the wait to be together is over. Your initial application has finally been approved by USCIS, and your file is in transit to your local embassy or consulate, and there are a few things which need doing now. And a big one of those is the medical exam, which sounds scarier than it is, I promise. I wouldn't worry at all about the medical. Like I read online, even when you read on the actual visa medical page, they make it sound so much worse than it is. But we'll talk through some of the worries many of us have had, will have, and are only natural. So let's take the next step to becoming an immigrant fiancé. Before we get started properly, I just want to say a big thank you for listening along so far and for the wonderful feedback on this podcast. To know that it has been making a difference for people going through what I went through over the past few years is just incredible. If you would like to share your story, I'd love to chat with you. You can get in touch through Instagram or Twitter at Immigrant Fiancé. I'll pop the links in the description. Now, where were we? Well, in episode three, we filled out our application for the fiancé visa and the wait began after getting your notice of action one. I can't give you any guarantee about how long you'll be kept waiting after that, I'm afraid. For those who filed at the start of the pandemic, it took a very long time. You can listen to episode two for more on that. But eventually, you will get that incredible email or letter to tell you that the application has been approved and you'll get your NOA too. We received ours on January the 6th, 2021, and I cannot tell you how incredible it felt. I cried, as I do at most things, but it was such a huge relief after nearly 10 months of waiting. Now there's more work to do, and we're going to explore this over two episodes. Before you can get your actual visa, there is a medical exam and interview to come. This time, we're going to look at what happens once your K-1 application is approved and the medical exam. Once you're told that your case has been transferred to the embassy, there is work to do before both of those appointments. As a side note, these steps may differ slightly depending on your specific embassy. So I'm going to talk through the London experience. Make sure you check with your consulate's procedures just in case. Now is the time, according to Luke, who we've met before, to get organised. Get yourself a binder, get yourself all the right stationary equipment you need to just start collecting all this stuff together. Don't just print random things out and leave them scattered on your desk, because I started that at the start of this process and I know firsthand it doesn't work. So get ready to spend some more money. First, you'll need to fill out the DS-160 form, which can be found through the link in the description. This is basically an online form rather than paperwork and the way that you pay the fee to the embassy for the interview. Currently, that's $265. Then it's time to schedule your medical and interview. You need to make sure you have enough time between your medical and the interview. That's because it can take a few days to get the results sent to the embassy. So it's best not to do them too close together or it could delay your approval. Again, you'll be spending more money for the medical. At the moment, for those in London, it's £350, for example, and you can only go to one place for the medical. Nowhere else is accepted. And then, just like with the initial application for the visa, you need to prepare some things. Some of these things that you need, like an ACRO police certificate, that takes months. You can't just suddenly decide to do the medical and then, bam, get everything together. So it's a case of step-by-step work, figure out what you need, 
what's going to take the longest? So for me, the medical acro police certificate, that was the very first thing I signed up to get because I knew it was going to take months to come through. You know, go get your passport photo, set aside another day. Yeah, there's Luke again. And it does sound kind of strange, but you do need a police certificate for your medical. That you need to apply for via Acro, and it costs £55 at the moment. Don't worry if you're not keeping up with all this, by the way. I'll put links in the description of where to go to for all of these different things. But here's what else you will need for your medical exam. Four passport photos, your passport, the appointment letter from the embassy, a filled out medical questionnaire from the medical office, your medical record summary, either from patient access online or your GP, your vaccination record and records of any treatments for STDs. Now that all sounds a lot and for many, including me, it can be pretty daunting. Luke got himself organised to make sure he wasn't overwhelmed. I think we started the process and me and Zach were like, okay, we were both working so we used to set aside uh, our days off or the evenings off to go through the immigration stuff. And you stress yourself out because you're like, oh, I've not finished this section, I didn't get everything together. I can't get everything together in one night. It's not physically possible. If you don't have all the answers in one night, don't worry. You can go back to it. And Kirsty explained how it wasn't a huge number of pages to get hold of. The record summaries that you really have to take are not really that much. It's just like mine was like a page that they asked me for. Um, and then obviously the vaccination page, I think mine was like three pages because I've had you know every vaccination I've needed. Now, one issue which does seem to cause a lot of worry for people approaching the medical is mental health. The questionnaire asked for a history of any struggles and for Roxy, who we've met before, this was a worry. If you have any history of mental health, they want to know whether if you're still in treatment for it or if you need treatment for it. If you have had any self-harm or any self-harm scars, they'll actually see that on your, your arms and they will sort of ask for evidence that something has been done about that. So I actually found that out from the group and I'm so glad that I did because what you need, they ask for is basically uh, just a letter from your GP just explaining if you are still currently having any sort of treatment for it or if you don't need any treatment for it um, and if you are having treatment, kind of what is happening. And I believe that if you had any self-harm or any suicide attempts, it needs to say that you're not a harm to yourself or to others. But this wasn't so straightforward for Roxy. Now, I had moved, so my GP didn't actually know me, and he actually <laughs> refused to write that for me because he was like, I'm not going to risk my medical license. You know, I can't say that you're not a harm to anyone else. So I was kind of like in this really horrible position. I was like, what do I do now? That's what they're going to need. Now, obviously, this isn't a common situation to be in, but thankfully, it did work out for Roxy in the end. I actually went and had a mental health assessment by a psychiatrist, uh, which, you know, was another expense. And this whole process is expensive. And it was just another expense that we didn't really need. But I was so adamant that I wanted to show up at the medical with this so they didn't have to ask for it and get my medical delayed because my appointment, my um, interview was so close to it that I didn't want, I basically just wanted everything checked off before my interview. And of course, every person's situation will be different. But overall, the theme, both from those I've talked to and my own experience, is that the medical exam isn't something to be too worried about. Here's Kirsty, who went through hers last year. It really isn't that bad. Like they're so friendly. It's really relaxed in there. 
you know, it's easy to get to traveling there. Like I think when people hear London, they just think it's going to be chaos. And it is, it's quiet. It's so easy when I walk from the station there with my mum. The Visa Medicals office in London is close to Oxford Street and Marlebone. And I remember being slightly terrified on the day I had mine. But the staff really were lovely. And I got to chat with people who were also going through it to get a visa of one kind or another for the States. You can expect to be there for around 90 minutes to two hours. The receptionist will take all of your prepared items off you and give you another questionnaire to fill out and a bottle for a urine sample. Lovely. Then it's time to wait and fill out that form before talking to a nurse about your answers. For me, she was super friendly and very excited about the journey I was on and this definitely put me at ease. Roxy talked us through her experience. The doctor that I had was really nice. Everyone, you know, the ladies at the reception were really nice. There was never never a time I was there that I was really uncomfortable. I mean, it's it's not nice, obviously, having, I think they uh, take some blood and, um, you know, a urine sample and you have to have an x-ray. So, you, you know, if you're a girl, you have to take your bra off for that and, you know, you're wearing a medical thing. But there is never a moment where you're completely in a vulnerable position. It's nothing too extreme. They're not, it's not, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about how intrusive it is, but I would say it's, I mean, for anyone having blood taken and and having its recent stuff is kind of intrusive, especially when you're thinking of it in the context of this is for a visa. But um, in terms of like how bad it is, I would say it's very routine and it's, it's very fast and everyone is super nice and they take the time to make sure that you're comfortable. So after the chat with the nurse, you are then shown into the x-ray room. You'll probably have to wait for a moment in the reception again after that. And then it's the examination with the doctor. You can expect a few more detailed questions before changing into a hospital gown for a moment. Kirsty told me it was all fine. You just lay there for a few seconds and they're just doing normal checks that you'd have if you went to your GP if you weren't well. So I think there's nothing to worry about. Um, I mean, I hate blood tests and I was freaking out, but even that was fine for me. So I don't think anyone should worry. Well, stories like this for me would have been super helpful beforehand. And Luke's advice is to read up before you go. A month or maybe a couple of weeks or even the day before, read through some of people's past experiences because any nerves you have, everybody's had. And it's nice to read through people's experiences because ultimately like, it's going to be similar to what you experience. It, it helps you get together in your mind what's going to happen. It definitely helped me. Like I read up on what people said about the medical and I was like, oh, that doesn't seem so bad. And then when I actually went through the medical, it, it was really easy, like it was really straightforward and it definitely set me at ease knowing what a couple of people had already done the day before. It set my mind at ease throughout the whole process. He had to go through the whole experience twice, so it seems a good case study for us to have talked to. You hear some horror stories online as well, like some people's scary experiences. Neither of the medical, I did the medical twice. Mm. Um, I it both times, it was just because I got caught with COVID, so it was... Long story short, it's like the medical I did became invalidated, so I had to do it again for my interview. That was annoying, but both times I did the medical and the interview, all the staff I encountered were friendly. No one was trying to catch me out. Everybody kind of wanted me to succeed. Like, no one is purposely in this process gunning for you. Like, everybody just wants to get you through as efficiently as possible. No one's trying to catch you out, so don't be worried in a way it's a lot 
everyone I've spoke to that's been through the process has said they were 10 times more worried than they needed to be because the process is actually really straightforward when you're there. It's just, we all work ourselves up because it means everything to us. We all want it to go right. So sometimes that can stress us out more than it really needs to. And I do hope that this all really encourages you ahead of the medical, that no one is trying to catch you out, as Luke said. After all of this, you're free to go. The medical centre will take care of getting your info to the embassy, either ahead of your interview or to get the approval sorted out. And that is the next stage done on the way to getting to the States. A shorter episode this time, but a lot of info. So just a reminder that you can find all the links that you need in the description. Once more, thank you to Kirsty, Luke and Roxy for their help in sharing their experiences of the fiancé visa journey. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe so you can follow the next stages of the process and follow us at Immigrant Fiancé on Twitter and Instagram. You can also get in touch with me there. Like I said, I would love to hear your stories too and share them. And I'll speak to you soon when it's time for your K-1 visa interview.